Welcome back to Belonging. I'm Erica Young. On this episode, we'll talk about affinity, as in kinship, relationships, likeness, resemblance, similarity. We'll talk about affinity in reference to representation and belonging in school. A few months ago, I had a conversation with Ava. Ava is a seventh grader at MELS, the Metropolitan Expeditionary Learning School. It's a school in Queens, New York. Ava spoke with me about a time before she was a student at Mills where she felt like she struggled with the sense of belonging at school. And I had an instance in um, fifth grade where a, a white student said something to me. It was racist. And I was very frustrated and I was angry. And I don't like to be angry because it kind of plays into the black women are angry stereotype. So I try to be as docile and calm as I possibly could be. So when I started crying, no one knew what to do. I wish like that white teachers and even um, black um, teachers that are men will un- would understand that um, it's a different ball game when like you're a black girl. I remember those awkward moments in class where you're the only black kid. It carries a lot of pressure. It's a very isolating feeling. When you feel like you belong, when you know you belong, you feel free to learn, you feel free to interact, you feel free to bring your whole self to the classroom. I remember the first time I knew I belonged at school. It was the first day of school and I was officially a third grader. No longer did I have to play on the playground that was made for kindergartens. The playground that still had a seesaw. The playground that when you hung from the monkey bars, your feet touched the ground. No, this was big kid school, and I felt it, and I knew it. The hallway felt like it was a mile long, and a sea of kids made their way to their classrooms. But for me and my friends, we were officially going upstairs to the third, fourth, and fifth grade hallway. Now, our exchanges were about finally wearing deodorant and dusting the sand off of our new white shoes. But we also had like a a celebration circle about the fact that we had a black teacher. We didn't know how to explain it back then, but what we felt was freedom. It was a feeling of joy because we had a teacher that understood our culture, our hair, our struggle. Up until this point, I sat quietly as my teachers and peers talked about hair and communicated in what seemed like a code language, which was really actually just familiarity. I learned to exist outside of their common connections. I learned to cope with being an outsider. But not now. Not with this teacher. I was home. I don't like describing myself because I think I will, I will, I will put myself lower than maybe what other people expect. I always, I always put others before me. Period. Anyway, that's my third grade teacher. She's shy and doesn't want her name out there, so I'll just call her Miss H. Miss H recently retired, so I called her to tell her how it felt to be a student in her class. There was never a day that I didn't want to be at school. I felt I could be vulnerable. I felt safe with you. I felt totally free to be educated. Like, 
my blackness wasn't a thing. I was I was totally open. I felt comfortable. Now, back then, I didn't know what that was. But now I know what it was. Like, I was free to learn. How does it feel knowing that you touched my life in such a way? When you told me that, I'm like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe this. And and when you said that, I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, I was just teaching. I, you know, when teacher get no recognition and get no accolades, I was just doing my job and doing what I had been called to do. And for here, somebody that I really was a preacher, because sometimes you think you're not. And sometimes you don't know whether everybody really do appreciate you, but I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to impart knowledge and to teach your child. And one thing I want you to know that you'll be safe and comfortable knowing that your child will be getting a good education from me. I said, then it also would be for me to know that when I go to the bank, the real the week, I cannot be arrested for deception. <laughs> you what? can't be arrested for deception. Yeah, deceiving you that your child ain't getting no <laughs> education. They weren't learning that. What you said, you ain't lying, not one bit. Well, I ain't. In Miss H's class, I knew I belonged. As we continued to talk and reminisce, I asked her, did she feel like she belonged in school? See, she was born in Florida around the same time my parents were born, which is the same time that the Supreme Court ruled on Brown versus the Board of Education. Because of the ruling, I would say, yeah, I belong, because that's what they said it had to happen, and that's what we did. And we were obedient by following the law. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I belong. But did they treat me like I belong? No, they didn't. Mm. Just at that time when we walked in, and because of what we saw, the, the fights and the, the racial slur, then I realized maybe I don't belong. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't really want us here. And that integration was hard for us. Brown versus the Board of Education was about ending legalized segregation of black and white people. It was not about integration at all. It was about equal rights. Zora Neale Hurston, a famed writer, anthropologist, and Eatonville, Florida native, argued her case against segregation in a 1955 letter to the Orlando Sentinel. In that letter, she said, How much satisfaction can I get from a court order for somebody to associate with me who does not wish to be near me? She also goes on to explain that desegregation devalues black schools, positioning white schools as inherently better because they have white students. She had a point with that statement. The Supreme Court stated that segregation of white and colored children has a detrimental effect on the colored children and that segregation with the sanction of law had the tendency to retard the educational and mental development of Negro children. See, with those statements, the Supreme Court stepped into the role as the savior of the underprivileged black children and not as protectors of the Constitution that guarantees rights for all citizens. This upheld the idea that black schools were low-performing, when the truth is, they weren't. Back in Florida, according to the law, integration was a must. So, whether they liked it or not, they had to integrate. First thing, we come into the unknown to get up. Rain, 
Ushine, you know, had to walk up like one, two, three, about four or five blocks up to the the center across from the black school that we had been going to for a school bus to pick us up and take us there. And it was, I, I can remember those early days, it was hard. A lot of, lot of fights, a lot of name calling, um, you know, racial slurs and stuff throughout there. You're going in a foreign territory. It wasn't the best, you know, we still was in the midst of the civil rights movement, so it wasn't no cakewalk, you know. Mm-hmm. So you still had to be cautious and be observant of, of your surroundings and stuff, and you don't step out and do something that can cause some insurrection, which even with us not even doing that, just the idea we were on campus, they made those racial slurs, and then that, that started a lot of stuff. After the ruling, what was once 82,000 black teachers was cut in half. They were fired. And of those that remained, a large number quit due to discrimination in the workplace. It's like not being able to use the teacher's restrooms. At her newly integrated high school, my teacher only ever had one black teacher. Then she went to college. The same one I went to, Florida A&M University, which is a historically black university. I asked Miss H how she felt when she got to Florida A&M. I had arrived. <laughs> I had arrived, like, and that's the experience that any African American. That's why we pushing HBCUs now. Mm-hmm. That's the experience that everybody should go through, because when you go to those HBCU schools, they make you feel a part. You're a family. You can identify, and they can identify with you. And they kind of being on the campus with people that look like you or people that teach you that look like you and is an empowerment tactic itself just being there wow all of us in this ship together mm-hmm. all of us come with these talent and skills to get into school you know and you can learn from each other so yeah when i got back to famu it was like a whole different world like you had people that looked like you that were striving to be better and you know back in the day when my parents came there weren't a lot of professions for blacks other than nursing or teaching. But then now I'm on this college camp and they got all these different things that you can do other than teaching and nursing. Historically black colleges and universities are beacons of hope and promise for those otherwise denied the opportunity to continue their education. Bell Hooks, an American professor, feminist and social activist, wrote about the concept of home place she defines home place as a form of resistance. Resistance meaning opposition to being invaded, occupied, assaulted, and destroyed by the outside world. Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University is a home place for black students. The purpose of resistance here is to seek healing for yourself in order to be able to see clearly. At Florida A&M, I learned about parts of American history that was left out of the books, but I also saw the possibility beyond what I thought was possible. At HBCUs, minority students can see clearly without being invaded, assaulted, or destroyed. So out for me. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> okay, well, tell your family, mom, dad, everybody, I say hello. Okay. Good talking to you. Thank you for even inviting me to be a part of this podcast. Okay, take your shot. You had your shot? 
What the? Did I get vaccinated? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had to get vaccinated. So. For third grade, I was initially assigned to another teacher's class. That teacher was known for her rocky relationships with darker students. My mom fought for me to be in Miss H's class, and I'm glad she won. Bell Hooks says that despite the brutal reality of racial apartheid, of domination, one's home place is the one site where one could freely confront the issues of humanization, where one could resist, where Black people could strive to be subjects, not objects, where we could be affirmed in our minds and hearts despite hardship and deprivation, where we could restore ourselves the dignity denied us on the outside in the public world. I'm thrilled to have this conversation um, and be a part of all of this work. Uh, I am Shatira Weaver. I grew up in White Plains, New York, which is a suburb right outside of the Bronx in New York. And it is a very diverse neighborhood. Um, I went to elementary school there. And then in about sixth grade, I went to private school up in Katona in Westchester. I did some schooling there. We can talk about that when we get into our conversation a little further. And after that, I went back to public school. I saw um, some extreme differences, inequities. I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but it, it all was based in major inequities. Shatira is one of the dopest educators I've ever met. She has this ability to listen and then turn that listening into action. I would describe her as Bell Hooks' definition of home place embodied. But prior to college, Shatira didn't always feel like she belonged at school. Specifically at that private school um, was a theater club that I was a part of. I remember having a moment where thinking the roles people were asking me to play, like we weren't just playing anymore. And I was like, wait, y'all always want me to play. And, you know, whatever this role is in the story, right? And whether it's the, the rundown person or the poor person or the help or the this. I'm like, wait a second. We not we're not just randomly assigning roles here. Like there is an order to things as, as I'm starting to realize. Um, and so that was one of the moments realizing like, I don't necessarily belong here, but I'm a token um, in this space. And it's very clear to me. Where I did belong on the campus of Spelman college, I belonged there like that. Those grounds were created and cultivated for me to walk on, and that is how it felt each day. Every classroom I entered, the professor was there to help me learn not to earn their check, but specifically to help me learn. Um, the dorms, the cafeteria, like everything was for, like HBCUs. I cannot speak enough about it. It is four years, five, six, it. however long it takes you, um, of just like, this is for you. You, you belong here. And I had never felt that, um, that sense of belonging as strongly as I did at Spelman. It wasn't until she was in college that Shatira felt belonging in school. So when she started teaching, she knew she wanted to bring that feeling of belonging to her students. So she started an affinity group called BAM, 
Black at Males. Bam, baby. <laughs> Black at Males. It is a racial affinity group that we started this year. And so this was a brain baby. I call them a thought project of mine that I've had for a few years. This actually, I shouldn't even say of mine because I need to give credit to one of my students, Stephanie, who is everything. She reminds me of like the things I hear your niece saying, but she's a senior in high school. She's a very vocal little revolutionary, like you said. And she's one of the students who was asking the questions. BAM is a place where I allow students to come and be themselves. It's a place where I can be in the school and be myself. I don't think the students know exactly how mutually beneficial this space is. Um, but it's an affinity group with all the Black students where we can gather and discuss and share ideas and laugh. The idea of a home place comes from Bell Hooks, who is like my hero. <laughs> um, and so the idea of BAM is to create that home place that Bell Hooks um, discusses in her literature at Mel's for our students. When Shatira described what BAM is, I was like, wait, hold on. Like everybody stop. Like my niece needs this. I get to learn so much more about my students, our student body, what's going on um, in, a, in ways that I never have. It really does help me do my job. Like, this is what y'all are experiencing. This is, uh, you know, I just listen. I get to absorb their realities. I get to gather um, an understanding and empathy that would not have been apparent to me beforehand. So I definitely get to do my job better that is an impact um, from BAM. Another impact on me is it is hopeful. This next generation, they, they are full of firecrackers and revolutionaries and I just love it. I am inspired each and every conversation that we have and it makes me um, wanna take action. It makes me understand that the things that I'm doing, though they are great, I can admit that I'm doing some great things. Um, there is room for more. Like my work is not done, but it also just helps me be a better person. It, it really does inspire me and enlighten me to things that you can only learn from people under 18. That's, there's a certain wisdom that youth hold that we don't listen to enough. Um, and so that youth wisdom that I just so blessed to absorb once a week, every week, that is an impact on me. After I spoke with Shatira, I spoke with Ava, a member of BAM. There can be an equal split of different ethnicities and like backgrounds and cultures. But if those, if each of those cultures or each of those like backgrounds aren't expressing themselves to their fullest potential, then like none of that matters. So like, I think BAM is so important because it's a space for like black people, faculty and staff, and also students to come together and just talk about what they're feeling. And like, sometimes you need that space because you, sometimes no one wants to hear what you're saying or what you're feeling at that moment. And like, that could be detrimental to you, especially if it's surrounding something like race, because like, I've never really had that before, especially with people like, like, like my parents can be like, oh, how was your day? But that's different from someone like, especially for a group of people in a community to just share their feelings and things like that. So yeah, that's why I think BAM is so important. Representation matters. 
And while students can see themselves in their affinity groups, the absence of Black teachers directly impacts how Black students learn. It caps the potential of students. It limits what they think is possible. Ava, the seventh grader at Mills, spoke with me about the first time she had a Black teacher. Um, I, when me and my parents, went, I think it was like open school night, and um, I saw my social studies teacher, and both of my social studies teachers are um, Black, and I was like, wait a minute, are these my teachers? Because I don't think, like, wait, like, is this actually happening? I don't know how to act, because I've always had to, like, code switch in a way, or, like, kind of like maneuver or like go around different things or like I have to beat around the bush when we talk about like slavery like or like things that are pertaining to mostly African-American like black people and it's like now I don't know how to act with a black teacher or black teachers because I've always been in this type of mindset with all my white teachers so at first I was nervous and then once the school year kind of like went on and I'm like this is amazing and like they just they would say things and I was like wow I never thought of it like that because I never had the chance to think of it like that because I only had this one set of learning and this one perspective so it was it was a really great feeling although I was nervous at first I was like wow this is amazing because now I don't I don't feel like an outsider like I feel very seen because my experiences like people can not only like try to un- like people can understand them if, for, for like the first time in ever and i think that's like that's a, and it's that's an amazing feeling integration displaced black and other minority students that experience to say the least is traumatic and the results were intentional otherwise why didn't integration of schools start with placing teachers and administrators on the front line of the movement Far too often, students of color feel isolated in school, and the reason is representation. When students see teachers and administrators that look like them, that experience life like them, it makes them feel like they belong. It reinforces positive views of what is possible, not just in school, but in society. In this episode, it's been Black teachers creating home places for Black students, But this is not just the work of black teachers. This is for all teachers. This is for administrators, too. The teaching profession is predominantly white. And in some schools where the population is predominantly black or minority, white teachers and administration most often outnumber black and minority teachers and administration. So what does this mean? It means you hold the power. It means that a collective raising of your voices would lead to faster change. So what do you do? How do you raise your voices? You build relationships. You get involved in your students' communities. You ask questions. You step into the gray area. You could even start an affinity group for aspiring anti-racists. But that's all for today. I want to send a big thank you to Shatira Weaver and Ava from Mel's. I said, I said, no, this teaching was not a career for me. It was a calling. I said, because when you take it as a career, you can click it on, click it off. You could go in one day and say, you know, I'm done with this. But if it's a calling, you never let it go till you have fulfilled your calling. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Belonging. The producers for the show are Bill Healy, 
Katie Schneider-Gumeron, and Rosa Gaia. Original music, audio engineering, and sound mixing for Belonging are by Sean Brennan. Until next time, this is Erica Young.